Book Second, Chapter Thirteen of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Thirteen, The Old Meeting House Again. Reuben and I, with Dapple, skimmed along the country roads, and my hopes and spirits kindled, though I scarcely knew why. We were early at the meeting house and to my joy i gained my old seat in which i had woven my june daydream around the fair unknown quakeress whose face was now that of a loved sister what ages seemingly had elapsed since that fateful day what infinite advances in life's experiences i had made since i last sat there how near i had come to the experiences of another life the fact made me grave and thoughtful and yet if my fear and not my hope were realized what a burden was imposed upon me with a life that disease had spared had i even mrs yocomb's faith i knew it would be a weight under which i would often stagger and faint before very long the great family rockaway unloaded its precious freight at the horse-block and ada and miss warren entered followed by the little girls in secret wonder i saw ada pause before the same long straight-backed bench or pew and miss warren take the place where i had first seen my embodiment of june mrs yocomb went quietly to her place on the high seat the spell continues to work but with an important change i thought in a few moments mr yocomb marshalled in mr hearn and placed him in the end of the pew next to miss warren on the men's side so that they might have the satisfaction of sitting together as if at church he then looked around for me but i shook my head and would not go up higher soon all the simple plainly apparelled folk who would attend that day were in their places and the old deep hush that i so well remembered settled down upon us the sweet low monotone of the summer wind was playing still among the maples i do believe that it was the same old bumblebee that darted in still unable to overcome its irate wonder at a people who could be so quiet and serene the sunlight flickered in here and there and shadowy leaves moved noiselessly up and down the whitewashed wall only the occasional song of a bird was wanting to reproduce the former hour but at this later season the birds seemed content with calls and chirpings and in the july heat they were almost as silent as we were but how weak and fanciful my june daydream now seemed then woman's influence on my life was but a romantic sentiment i had then conjured up a pretty vista full of serene quiet domestic joys which were to be a solace merely of my real life of toil and ambition i had thought myself launched on a shining tide that would bear me smoothly to a quiet home anchorage but almost the first word that emily warren spoke broke the spell of my complacent indolent dream and i awoke to the presence of an earnest large-souled woman who was my peer and in many respects my superior whom so far from being a mere household pet could be counsellor and friend and a daily inspiration instead of shrinking from the world with which i must grapple she already looked out upon its tangled and cruel problems with clear intelligent courageous eyes single-handed she had coped with it and won from it a place and respect and yet with all her strength and fearlessness she had kept her woman's heart gentle and tender oh who could have better proof of this than i who had seen her face bending over the little unconscious scylla 
and who had heard her low sob when she feared I might be dying. The two maidens sat side by side, and I was not good enough to think of anything better or purer than they. Ada, with her face composed to its meeting-house quiet, but softened and made more beautiful by passing shades of thought. Still it seemed almost as young and childlike as that of Zilla. Miss Warren's profile was less round and full, but it was more finely chiseled and was luminous with mind. The slightly higher forehead, the more delicately arched eyebrow, the deeper setting of her dark changing eyes, that were placed wide apart beneath the overhanging brow, the short thin tremulous upper lip, were all indications of the quick informing spirit which made her face like a transparency through which her thoughts could often be guessed before spoken and since they were good noble genial thoughts they enhanced her beauty and yet it had occurred to me more than once that if miss warren were a depraved woman she could give to evil a deadly fascination are her thoughts wandering like mine i mused with kindling hope i saw her face grow sad and i even imagined that her pallor increased for a long time she looked quietly and fixedly before her as did ada and then she stole a shy, hesitating glance at Mr. Hearn by her side. But the banker seemingly had found the silent meeting a trifle dull, for his eyes were heavy, and all life and animation had faded out of his full white face. Was it my imagination, or did she slightly shrink from him? In an almost instantaneous flash she turned a little more and glanced at me, and I was caught in the act of almost breathless scrutiny. A sudden red flamed in her cheeks, but not a friend of them all was more motionless than she at once became. My conscience smote me, though I watched for her happiness as truly as my own, the old meeting-house should have been a sanctuary even from the eyes of love. I knew from the expression of her face that she had not liked it, nor did I blame her. I was glad to have the silence of the meeting broken for a venerable man rose slowly from the high seat and reverently enunciated the words the lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our refuge he maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder he burneth the chariot in the fire be still and know that i am god the quiet reverent bowing of the heart to his will is often the most acceptable worship that we can offer he began and if he had stopped there the effect would have been perfect but he began to talk and to ramble with a sense of deep disappointment i dreaded lest the hour should pass and that mrs yocomb would not speak but as the old gentleman sat down that rapt look was on her face that i remembered seeing on the night of the storm she rose took off her deep quaker bonnet and laid it quietly on the seat beside her but one saw that she was not thinking of it or of anything except the truth which filled her mind clasping her hands before her she looked steadfastly toward heaven for a few moments and then in a low sweet penetrating monotone repeated the words peace i leave with you my peace i give unto you not as the world giveth give i unto you let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. She paused a moment, and I gazed in wonder at her serene uplifted face. She had spoken with such an utter absence of self-consciousness or regard for externals as to give the strong impression that the words had come again from heaven through her lips, and were endowed with a new life and richer meaning, 
and now she seemed waiting for whatever else might be given to her could that inspired woman who now looked as if she might have stood unabashed on the mount of transfiguration be my genial untiring nurse and the cheery matron of the farmhouse whose deft hands had made the sweet light bread we had eaten this morning i had long loved her but now as i realized as never before the grand compass of her womanly nature i began to reverence her a swift glance at miss warren revealed that the text had awakened an interest so deep as to suggest a great and present need for the maiden was leaning slightly toward the speaker and waiting with parted lips as i sat here mrs yocomb began looking down upon us with a grave gentle aspect these words came to me as if spoken in my soul and i am constrained to repeat them unto you i'm impressed with the truth that peace is the chief need of the world the chief need of every human heart beyond success beyond prosperity beyond happiness is the need of peace the deep assured rest of the soul that is akin to the eternal calmness of him who spake these words the world at large is full of turmoil and trouble the sounds of its wretched disquietude reach me even in this quiet place and at this quiet hour i seem to hear the fierce uproar of battle for while we are turning our thoughts up to the god of peace misguided men are dealing death-blows to their fellow-men i hear cries of rage i hear the groans of the dying but sadder than these bloody fields of open strife are the dark places of cruelty i hear the clank of the prisoner's chain and the crack of the slave-driver's whip i see desperate and despairing faces revealing tortured souls to whom the light of each day brings more bitter wrongs viler indignities until they are ready to curse god for the burden of life sadder still i hear the dark whisperings of those who would destroy the innocent and cast down the simple i hear the satanic laugh of such as are false to sacred trusts and holy obligations who ruthlessly as swine are rending hearts that have given all the pearls they had from that sacred place home come to me hot words of strife drunken brutal blows and the wailings of helpless women and children saddest of all earthly sounds i hear the wild revelry of those who are not the victims of evil in others but who while madly seeking happiness are blotting out all hope of happiness and who are committing that crime of crimes the destruction of their own immortal souls did i say the last was the saddest of earthly sounds there comes to me another at which my heart sinks it is the sound of proud arrogant voices who are explaining that faith is a delusion that prayer is wasted breath that the god of the bible is a dream of old-time mystics and that christ died in vain i hear the moan of mary at the sepulchre repeated from thousands of hearts they have taken away my lord o oh god forgive those who would blot out the dearest hope which has ever sustained humanity can there be peace in a world wherein we can never escape these sad terrible discordant sounds the words that i have repeated were spoken in just such a world when the den of evil was at its worst and to those who must soon suffer all the wrong that the world could inflict after a brief pause of silent waiting she continued but is the turmoil of the world a far-away sound like the sullen roar of angry waves beating on a shore that rises high and enduring 
securing us safety and rest beyond the deep disquietude of the world at large is the deeper unrest of the human heart no life can be so secluded and sheltered but that anxieties doubts fears and foreboding will come with all their disturbing power often sorrows more bitter than death are hidden by smiling faces and in our quiet country homes there are men and women carrying burdens that are crushing out hope and life mothers breaking their hearts over wayward sons and daughters wives desperate because the men who wooed them as blushing maidens have forgotten their vows and have become swinish sots men disheartened because the sweet-faced girls that they thought would give them a home have become vile slatterns busybodies shrill-tongued shrews who banish the very thought of peace and rest who waste their substance and eat out their hearts with care oh the clouds of earth are not those which sweep across the sun but those which rise out of unhappy hearts and evil lives these are the clouds that gather over too many in a leaden pall and it seems as if no light could ever break through them there are hearts to whom life seems to promise one long hopeless struggle to endure an incurable pain can there be peace for such unhappy ones to just such human hearts were the words spoken peace i leave with you my peace i give unto you then came one of those little pauses that were quite as impressive as the preceding words although my interest was almost breathless i involuntarily looked toward one whom i now associated with every thought oh god i exclaimed mentally can that be the aspect of a maiden happy in her love and hope her face had become almost white and across the pallor of her cheeks tear followed tear as from a full and bitter fountain never in all this evil world the speaker resumed was there such cruel bitter mockery as these words would be if they were not true if he who spake them had no right to speak them and what right would he have to speak them if he were merely a man among men a part of the world which never has and never can give peace to the troubled soul how do we know these words are true how do we know he has a right to speak them thank god i know because he has kept his word to me thank god millions know because he has proved his power to them the scourged persecuted crucified disciples found that he was with them always even unto the end oh my friends it is this living loving spiritual presence that uplifts and sustains the sinking heart when the whole great world could only stand helplessly by not as the world giveth give i unto you yes thank thee lord not as the world in spite of the world and the worst it can do in spite of our evil and the worst it can do in spite of our sorrows our fears our pains and losses our bitter disappointments thou canst give peace thou hast given peace no storm can harm the soul that rests on the rock of ages and by and by he will say to the storm peace be still and the light of heaven will come then there shall be no more night god shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away the light and gladness of that blessed future seemed to have come into her sweet womanly face i looked out of the window to hide tears of which i was fool enough to be ashamed when she spoke again her voice was low and pitiful and her face full of the divinest sympathy 
dear friends she said it was not merely peace that he promised but his peace my peace i give unto you remember it was the man of sorrows who spoke remember that he was acquainted with grief remember that years of toil and hardship were behind him and that gethsemane and calvary were before him remember that one would betray him and that all would desert him when he spoke the storm of the world's evil was breaking upon him more cruelly and remorselessly than it ever has on any tempted soul he suffered more because more able to suffer but beneath all was the sacred calm of one who is right and who means to do right to the end cost what it may the peace that he promises is not immunity from pain or loss or the gratification of the heart's earthly desires his natural and earthly desires were not gratified often ours cannot be his peace came from self-denial for the good of others from the consciousness that he was doing his father's will and from the assurance that good would come out of the seeming evil suffer he must because he was human and in a world of suffering but he chose to suffer that we might know that he understands us and sympathizes with us when we suffer to each and to all he can say i was tempted in all points like unto thee when we wander he goes out after us when we fall he lifts us up when we faint he takes us in his arms and carries us on his bosom o great heart of love thy patience never tires never wearies thou canst make good to us every earthly loss thy touch can heal every wound of the soul even though life be one long martyrdom yet through thy presence it may be a blessed life full of peace because our lord was a man of sorrows was he in love with sorrows or does he love to see storms gathering around his people no it was not with his sorrows but with our sorrows that he was afflicted he so loved the world that he could not be glad when we were sad it is said that there is no record that jesus ever smiled but those little children whom he took in his arms and blessed know that he smiled i doubt whether he ever saw a flower but that no matter how weary from the hot day's long journey he smiled back upon it the flowers are but his smiles and the world is full of them still he is naturally and very justly associated with sorrow for when on earth he sought out those in trouble and the distressed and the suffering soon learned to fly to him what was the result were the shadows deepened was the suffering prolonged let the sisters of bethany answer you let the widow of nain answer you let the great host of the lame blind diseased and leprous answer look into the gentle serene eyes of mary magdalene once so desperate and clouded by evil and then know whether he brings sorrow or joy to the world just as the sun follows the night that it might bring the day so the sun of righteousness seeks out all that is dark in our lives that he may shine it away gladness then should be the rule of our lives nothing to him is so pleasing as gladness if it comes from the heart of pilgrims truly homeward bound but if sorrow comes oh turn not to the world for the best thing in it can give no peace no rest simply do right and leave the results with him who said even under the shadow of his cross my peace i give unto you accept this message dear friends and let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid and she sat down and quietly closed her eyes 
there was here and there a low sob from the women and the eyes of some of the most rugged-featured men were moist the hush that followed was broken by deep and frequent sighs mr yocombe sat with his face lifted heavenward and i knew it was serene and thankful the eyes of reuben who was beside me rested on his mother in simple loving devotion as yet she was his religion ada was looking a little wonderingly but sympathetically at miss warren whose bowed head and fallen veil could not hide her deep emotion the banker too looked at her even more wonderingly at last the most venerable man on the high seat gave his hand to another white-haired friend beside him and the congregation began slowly and quietly to disperse come reuben i said in a whisper let us get away quick he looked at me in surprise but in a few moments the old meeting-house was hidden behind us among the trees dapple's feet scarcely touched the ground but i sat silent absorbed and almost overwhelmed didn't didn't thee like what mother said reuben asked after a while a little hurt i felt at once that he misunderstood my silence and i put my arm around his neck as i said reuben love and honor your mother the longest day you live she is one among a million liked it mattered little whether i liked it or not she made it seem god's own truth and to think richard that if it hadn't been for thee hush reuben to think rather that she waited on me for days and nights together well i could turn catholic and worship one saint i'm glad she's only mother said the boy with a low laugh and richard she likes me to have a good time as much as i do myself she always makes me mind but she's been jolly good to me oh i love her don't thee worry about that well whatever happens i said with a deep breath i thank god for the day that brought me to her home so do i said the boy so do we all but confound emily warren's grandfather i don't take to him he thinks we're wonderfully simple folks just about good enough to board him and that black-eyed witch of his i do kind of like her a little bit she's so saucy-like sometimes one day she commenced ordering me around and i stood and stared at the little miss in a way that she won't forget she'll learn to coax by and by and then you'll do anything for her reuben perhaps he said with a half smile on his ruddy face End of book second, chapter thirteen.